I am talking, talking, talking to you. And the talk just keeps on coming. TalkZone.com. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. America's capitalist system has helped our nation reach previously unimagined levels of affluence. Part of capitalism is the proverbial marketplace, where a vast array of goods are marketed, bought, and sold. But some say markets now impact society in negative ways. Has our consumer culture gone too far? To discuss this, let's welcome Benjamin Barber to InfoTrack. Welcome to the show. Nice to be with you. Now, you are a professor of civil society at the University of Maryland, but also a distinguished senior fellow at Demos in New York, and that is a nonpartisan think tank. And you've written a book called Consumed, How Markets Corrupt Children, Infantilize Adults, and Swallow Citizens Whole. Well, we live in a world full of global brands. It may seem like we're surrounded by shopping malls and advertisements, but is this really such a bad thing? Well, I'll tell you why it's a bad thing, because it's out of balance. Human beings are diversified, pluralistic beings. You know, we love to pray and play and create and make love and spend time in recreation and sports. And, of course, we need the material goods of our life, so we have to consume as well. And consuming is a natural and attractive part of life if it's just a part of life. But in the last 50 years or so, increasingly, we have become consumed by consumerism in the sense that it now becomes a 24-7 activity, seven days a week, religious holidays become consumers, politics and religions become commodities that get sold, advertising is everywhere on the internet, in the movies, and increasingly, in other words, what should be one healthy part of our life has become an unhealthy all of our life. But hasn't this been driven by consumer demand? You know, if people didn't want to go to Starbucks, there wouldn't be so many Starbucks all over the place, for example. Well, that's, of course, what the people who market to us say. But let's look back at how capitalism worked traditionally in such a successful way. It allowed us to produce goods and services that met real human needs and wants. And on the way to doing that, it made a better world, and it provided a profit for those who made those goods. And that was a great synergy between self-interest and doing good for the community. Businessmen like to talk about doing good by doing well, doing well by doing good. And that really worked historically that way. But what happened, in a sense, as a result of the success of capitalism is that it did such a good job of providing at least middle-class Americans with the refrigerators, the cars, the transportation, the housing, the clothes that they needed, that it found itself in a position where instead of manufacturing goods to meet real human needs, increasingly it's been manufacturing needs to sell all the goods it has. And that means that we, you know, we don't really buy the stuff we want. We've never heard of half the stuff we buy until the marketers tell us about it. Instead, we're being sold a lot of superfluous and unnecessary goods. Let's be concrete. Let me take a very concrete example sure. that I think will strike home. Bottled water. We live in a country which has, thank God, good, pure water coming out of the reservoirs and wells out of every tap in America. There is no earthly need for bottled water at two bucks a pop or more. <laughs> Yet we spend 10, listen to this, $10 billion a year on bottled water. You go into a restaurant, they say bottled or tap, and most of us say, oh, well, bottled to impress our wives or girlfriends or our boyfriends, or because we somehow think it's 
what cool. But this boutique water is utterly unnecessary. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the world, there are billions of people without clean, potable drinking water who desperately need entrepreneurial services, new ways of cleaning their water through clay filters that can be made from the clay under their feet, through little ham pumps that can tap the clean water that's 10 feet underneath them. But instead, they're without water. Meanwhile, we consume $10 billion a year in bottled water that actually adds to pollution, adds to the gasoline crisis, because instead of getting water through the pipes where it's pumped without the use of gasoline, we get it in bottles which are trucked across the country. So, you know, that's a perfect example of something that is not a matter of demand, but a matter of creating a need so that capitalist markets can sell unnecessary goods. Talk about children a little bit, because you even mentioned in the subtitle of the book, Corrupting Children. What would be some examples that you might have where well, the markets the have affected kids like yeah, that? If you're going to sell a lot more goods than people really need, you need to create shoppers. And adult shoppers, you know, there aren't enough of them to go around. There aren't enough of them to absorb all the goods and services produced. So increasingly, marketers and advertisers and producers are targeting children. Initially teenagers, then tweens, then little ones, then down to toddlers. And they are trying to get those kids to spend the discretionary income of their parents. They're trying to get the kids who represent a market of billions of dollars, by the way. Kids have access through their parents to extraordinary funding. If they can shove the parents out of the way and get the parents to, in effect, be servants to their children rather than their servants listening to their wise parents, then you create a situation in which you can market continuously to impulsive children, your choco pops and sweets and fat films and so forth that are there, again, way beyond anything that's reasonable. Again, there's no, of course, kids love toys and films and games, nothing wrong with that, but if you start marketing to them as a major market and you start talking about their parents as gatekeepers who must be removed from the gate so the marketers can get at their children, then we've got a serious moral problem in America. Our guest on InfoTrack is Benjamin R. Barber, author of Consumed, How Markets Corrupt Children, Infantilize Adults, and Swallow Citizens Whole. If indeed this is the situation, who should decide these things? Who should be sort of policing this? Or how could this ever be controlled? Well, historically, the way capitalism has always worked well is in partnership with democracy. You know, when capitalism is sort of unleashed and left to its own devices, as it was after the Civil War here in the United States, it kind of went crazy. It created not competition, but cartels. It created not entrepreneurship, but big monopolies like Standard Oil. And when government finally, under the Republicans of Teddy Roosevelt and later Franklin Roosevelt and the Democrats intervened, they intervened not to destroy capitalism, but to save capitalism from itself by reimposing competition. Well, today we need a healthy dose of democracy. Yet for the last 30 years, We've seen an era of privatization, get government out of the market, let market solve all problems. And left to its own device, we've seen the market creating a world in which no one, including the producers, really wants to live. We need to retrieve our role as citizens, as public choosers, capable of making a wise determination about the limits of capitalism, the regulation of capitalism, and directing capitalism back towards the real needs where it helped create prosperous societies. Of course, that's what makes all this debate so great in our country. Your point of view, uh, somebody else might say there are already too many regulations, you know, there's too much restriction. 
So hopefully we get into a middle ground. That's, that's, that's true, right. but I agree it's the middle ground we want. But if you look at the mortgage crisis today with subprime loans, bankrupting families who are losing their homes, if you look at the target of children, I think you could see the balance has gone the other way. Back in the 60s, we might say there was too much state intervention, not enough market. But Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher righted that balance. Now we've gone the other way. It's all market. And I think we need to restore the balance by getting back to a real partnership between democracy and the market. Any last thoughts? If I'm the average person, you know, I don't control the government and I don't control big corporations, what can I do to maybe help my family cope with all this? Well, first of all, as an individual and a consumer, you can resist consuming things that are unnecessary. You know, there's a long list of them, 1,200 thread count sheets, uh, Botox. Uh, there's an awful lot of stuff that's being made, even some of the new gadgets that you don't really need that make you uh, reformulate your music archive. But more importantly, you said, well, we don't control government, but we do control We do live, when I last looked in a democracy, we do control government. We can choose a government more willing to oversee the economy and market to create the kind of healthy society we all want to live in. We can't get cynical about citizenship. That's really where our power lies. So we have to participate in that democratic process. Uh, Not just in voting, but in local communities, in town planning, in our workplace, in our schools, even in our churches. Active participatory citizenship and a democratic balance between the market and all the other things that we cherish in our public lives. Consumed is the book, How Markets Corrupt Children, Infantilize Adults, and Swallow Citizens Whole. Benjamin Barber is the author, and you have a website. Yeah, BenjaminBarber.org or BenjaminBarber.com. Well, thanks so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thank you for the very lively discussion. I appreciate it. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.